Hello, everybody. Thanks, Steve. Um, gosh. Oh, we should probably do announcements, huh? Let's think. What do we have going on this week? We have If Table on Tuesday at Rachel's house. And she's doing it like a potluck. Tuesday at 6, Rachel Evans' house. There's already a party for NA here on New Year's Eve, so we can't do that. But that's a good idea. <laughs> What else? We have Wednesday, we have the ladies um, prayer meditation group. Um, we're doing like a series of what they call Imago Divina. It's kind of like Lexio Divina, but we're looking at an artist's uh, work that they've created that's about Advent, like an aspect of the Advent. So this past week, we did the visitation. So this artist had created a work of art around the idea of Mary visiting um, with Elizabeth. Um, it was really interesting because we were all like, what? This doesn't quite represent this to us, but it, it's like a really interesting time for, for us to look at the art and then talk about it together. And then um, we get to watch a, a thing where the artist talks about their own work. So it's a really, it's a really cool time. And so if you want to come for a meal, it's at six o'clock. And then we start the um, spiritual practice at seven. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else going on this week? Um, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, and we're doing just a morning service. We're not having an evening service. So normal time, 11 a.m. next week. And Quinn will be teaching. And we will have the Newell's family dedication. And I'll be like, make sure I write down everyone's name so I don't forget someone. Stop <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was, I was thinking about it earlier this week, Jess. I was like, I'm going to forget Louie. I know it. Oh, no. <laughs> He's, so He's unforgettable, he though. Oh, yeah, he would cry. Lost Louie. No, I wouldn't. He <laughs> lost Louie. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm up here with everyone. Where are the Legos? <laughs> Does anyone have some prayer concerns? We should keep praying for the Bradleys. Um, they're definitely going through a really rough time. So... If you have an opportunity this week, please reach out to Jeff or Angie just to encourage them. We started a, a sign up for people if you want to bring them a meal. Um, Jeff has really been struggling with uh, his mental and physical health recently. Um, it's kind of flared up again for it to be more challenging for them. So just reaching out to them with love and encouragement and maybe a meal <laughs> would be really helpful. Yeah, he, uh, Olivia had a choir concert on Thursday, and Tyler took him, and he was so overwhelmed by the crowd, he, he couldn't stay. He had, to, he had to go home. It gives kind of a picture of his anxiety level right now. And he's been trying to work, but that's not going yeah. very well either. 
Okay. Any other prayer requests? You guys are quiet today. This is not a bearer of good things for our discussion later on, but hopefully <laughs> it will improve. I'll look, let's pray together. God, who is the bringer of joy, thank you for uh, the things that we have to celebrate today in this new life that's coming to the Richie's family. God, we rejoice. We thank you for the Engel family and Miles and Unalisa. In that, we rejoice. In the fellowship that we have with one another, we rejoice. God, in our relationship with you, Lord, we rejoice. God, but we know that in so many other spaces and in so many other places, Lord, we have things that we don't rejoice in, that we don't experience joy in. God, in the brokenness in this world, in the brokenness of relationships that we have with others, in financial stresses and circumstances, in friends that are that are struggling with their mental health and physical health, God, we don't rejoice in those things. But Lord, help us to see the bigger picture of what it means to be your followers. How do we hold out joy? even in the midst of those difficult things. God, I think that joy starts with an understanding of hope. That our joy isn't based on momentary circumstances. And it's not about happiness. But it's about something deeper and richer. And that is formed in our hope. Our hope for your return and the way that you are using us as your people to make all things new. God, in the way that there are beautiful relationships that are formed out of adversity. And new opportunities that come about even in the darkest circumstances. God, you are our hope. Lord, in this season of Advent that we're anticipating and hoping and waiting and desiring after your return and your coming as a child, God, we pray that we feel that intensity of desire for you. God, that our hearts would not be overwhelmed with the worldly idea of Christmas or this idea of perfection of this season, of, of togetherness and warmth and and presence and all the trappings that come along with that cultural understanding of the perfect Christmas. God, that we would let go of those things and be able to embrace the beauty and simplicity of a defenseless child born into a dirty stable at an inconvenient time that even in that circumstance came the Savior of the world. God, so help us to see that even in the midst of all of our disappointments and the way that we turn away from you and run to things that don't satisfy God, that you would help us to return to that Savior who was born to a simple family knowing that we don't need to be perfect, we don't need to have it all together to come to you. 
because you receive us unto yourself. God, help us to sink into this understanding of joy today and open our minds and our hearts to your word in a way that we may not have been open to this text before. God, help us to embrace your joy. It's in all these things that I pray. Amen. Okay. So our text today comes from Isaiah 55. Um, And I'll start reading. And this is the New Revised Standard translation. I think it's really funny because it starts out, Ho! It's just more like, pay attention, listen up. Um, I think the message says, hey, which then we could start a Lumineers song, but it's it's fine. Okay. Ho! (laughs) What's that? more like Santa Claus. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. No. This is not a Santa Claus passage. Oh. <laughs> okay. On some level, it's not. Okay. But in some level, it is. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, listen so that you may live. I will make you with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. I think there's some really powerful visual images in that passage, and I certainly encourage you to spend time in the richness of it. Um, I'm only going to be addressing a smaller section of this text just because this sermon could be exceedingly long, and I've decided that that's not the best use of our time today. 
I think I want to kind of focus and center on um, some things I think are really important to us today for this season. Um, to kind of give you an idea, we've been talking about the Israelites being put out into exile um, when the Babylonians came and conquered Judah. Um, this passage is in a part of Isaiah called Second Isaiah. I've talked about it before, but the scholars believe that there is multiple authors to Isaiah, and this is kind of this uh, unknown writer who was likely um, writing in the time where they're transitioning from the exile and returning back to Judah. So I think this passage has a lot to say about joy, but at the same time, I think there's some difficulty here. Um, I think that for the, the Israelites who left um, Babylon and returned back to their homeland, you know, it wasn't easy, right? They've been, their understanding of wealth is in the, how much land they own, um, how many animals they own, and when you're a people that's been displaced from the land that was once yours for over 70 years, you're not going to have that ancestral wealth anymore. So they're all starting from the bottom again. Um, they're excited to come back to this land. This is the land that God promised them, and they're getting it back. But again, they're struggling um, to be able to reestablish their life. Um, in Judah over again. The picture that I love the most in this passage is the beginning part where it talks about the feast. So come and enjoy this bountiful feast where you don't need to come and pay for anything. And so I made the joke about Santa thing. Um, I guess that in some level that's the idea of Santa in the, the purest sense. So you're receiving these gifts that you don't necessarily deserve, though you must be good. Let's skip that. Let's throw that out. That's crappy theology. <laughs> like you go into a golden crown without paying. <laughs> right. So, so some of the commentators are talking about like, this is like our we're, go, we're able to go to the grocery store and pick out whatever we want, and then we don't need to go through the yeah. checkout line. Like we can we can get anything that we need, uh, all all the best stuff. Like if you know you want to buy organic produ produce and that's not in your budget, you can go and buy the organic <laughs> produce. <laughs> Because this is a banquet full of the best stuff, the highest quality, the richest of fare, the, the best. Um, and the, the thing is, though, there's a little commentary in there, too, right? It's like, well, why are you working so hard to get the stuff that doesn't really satisfy you? So why are you going to the grocery store and you've worked super hard? Instead of buying that organic produce, you're buying candy. <laughs> And Cheetos <laughs> and Dr. Pepper <laughs> and like I know. <laughs> so I'm, you know, you you get what I'm saying there. These are all things that I buy, right? <laughs> I'm convicted, but those things are not things that fuel us. They're just things that sort of feed a momentary need or a desire. Like I want something salty. I want something sweet. I want a little caffeine. But over time, those things will eat at us. They'll cause disease. And I know that Quinn and Jill have been going to this class where they're talking about whole food plant diets. And that's the entire 
premise is that those foods are the things that will fuel us and give us the most energy and allow for our body systems to work most healthfully. But that's hard to do, right? It's not the yeah. easiest kind of diet to cook for or to enjoy gatherings with other people, any of that. And as if long you, as you're okay, the food is never fun again. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think there's, there's that kind of that tension there. And there's also the conversation about God's eternal abundance, right? So if we're living in a scarcity mentality, I'm like, I'm going to work really hard for my money so I can go buy my Cheetos. When God's like, let it go. I've, I've got like the best, most amazing gourmet food that has been prepared for you already. You don't need to work hard for it. And that's not about something that we consume, right? Because God is an unconsumable fire. It's about your needs, not your wants. Yeah. So it's that deep desires that we have that have been put in us because we are made in the image of God and we reflect those desires. And when we are able to recognize that all that we need is already here, that's when we get experience the deep and rich fullness of God. So we've got the Israelites returning from exile and this time of year a lot of us return home. And I know that for some people that returning home is a joyous celebration, but for more people than that, that returning home is full of conflict, brokenness, arguments, <laughs> miscommunication, hurt. Um, I think sometimes our culture puts pressure on the Christmas season to, to tie it all up in a bow so we're like those families in the Lexus commercials with the big red bow in the car and it's like oh look what we got in our stocking a car I don't know who's buying a car for Christmas by the way but it, so I think sometimes we get lulled into the idea that everything will be magically fixed because the Christmas season will bring out generosity and joy and forgiveness and love but we're all still the same people that we were on December 23rd when we walk into those situations with our families on December 25th and so I think there's some expectations that are set that are up here and over time they get repeatedly not met and they're unsatisfying and frustrating and it causes resentment and anger and those aren't things that we are meant to be because we are people of God that those are not characteristics of people that run after God and so I think the Israelites really thought that they would get back to Judah and that life would be good again and there would be joy and power and certainty and um, God is on our side and we're, we're powerful. And sometimes we think, well, because God loves us, our relationships will be healed and perfected and there'll be forgiveness and love and joy and we'll get to have all the things that we want in our picture-perfect postcard Christmas. But for us and for Israel, those things didn't happen. But I think it's because we're placing our hope into something that is not what God has promised to us. God hasn't promised us perfection. 
He's promised us an opportunity to grow. And growth opportunities suck. <laughs> Don't they? Like they hurt. They cause you to have to do something. You know, we, we all want to be able to take a pill and lose weight and to be like the perfect model, right? Like that's like the thing that's being sold to us in our culture. We want to be able to buy the right electronic and be the most efficient employee. We want to be able to um, buy this book and learn everything about ourselves so that we can be the perfect spouse. But we can't just read a book or take a pill or buy something to become the people that God has meant for us to be. It takes prayer. It takes humility. It takes willingness for the Holy Spirit to work on us. It takes us putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations it takes therapy. <laughs> it takes relationships with people that will be willing to speak truth to us. That stuff is hard. It takes lots of reading of the scripture and being willing to be convicted and not to stand on stuff that we've read over and over again that support our own opinion about things. It takes us being willing to see the places where we fall short where we add to the brokenness in our relationships with others. Man, this is, a, this is supposed to be a sermon about joy, but I think joy, <laughs> joy it cannot be about happiness. Joy has to be about that hard work and that willingness to put it in and to ugly cry sometimes, to be who we are and to be honest, to see our role that we play in things to put ourselves in the position to be on our faces before God and be like, okay, God, show me where I need to change. And the beautiful thing is when we do that, that is that rich fare that God gives before us. Like God's like, I'm going to be with you. My spirit will be with you. I will speak to you if you listen because God is always speaking. God is always teaching us something more about himself and about us, and about the way that we should interact with the world. So it's about taking the time to step back and to receive what God has given. Um, several years ago, God had given me a word about, it, it was open your hands to receive my blessing. And I'm like, God, why? Why? That doesn't make any sense to me. I feel very blessed by God. I know that I've received so much. But God's like, open your hands. Don't sit around like this, because this is about wanting my way. I'm going to fight to get my way. But when you open your hands and graciously admit that you need God. God blesses me beyond everything I can imagine in ways I didn't even know I needed to be blessed. And so my encouragement for us today is figuring out what our substitutes are, 
What ways do you clench your fists against God's blessing in your life? So what are things that you use to try to satisfy yourself, but they fail? And I know that's if we talk about this out loud, this is going to be self-disclosure amongst a big group of people, but I think some of you are brave enough to do that. So I want us to talk about that today. So what are some things that you use to medicate yourself, literally or figuratively, but they taste like ashes in your mouth over time. They're really not the thing that satisfies you, that brings you the most peace and the most joy and the most contentment. Oh wait, Sydney. I felt that way after my dad died, you know, I was having a hard time coping with him dying. And they wanted to give me a pill. I felt like I was tossed up and took that pill for my dad. I thought that's an awful substitute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's terrible, you know. I thought this is supposed to be him. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. That's what I felt. Thank you. This doesn't have to be a long explanation. You can just say your things. Steve. For me, um, I try to stay really busy with house stuff. Like, this needs to get fixed. The, the laundry needs to get folded. And I focus so much on just making sure the house gets what it needs that sometimes I neglect, like, just spending time with Hannah or playing with Felix or something. And there's always something more that has to get done in the house. There's a project here and a project there. And that's, yeah. I'm never going to be satisfied with that. And it's making time for family. So it's, I don't know, something that is a balance I'm working on. Thanks for sharing. I think sometimes I like try to be so perfect or do things so well and accomplish so well. It's like, in my mind, I think, well, I'll make, I'll be acceptable to my friends and to my community so long as I've got my stuff together. And I'll, and they will accept me because I'm acceptable. But what it really does is, like, puts up walls because you're not being vulnerable with people. And it's, uh, it's a sub, yeah. So you're, like, trying to be accepted by being acceptable, and really you're just, like, not being real with anyone. Mm-hmm. Spiritual high five, sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like before, years before the Roger died, he well, gave me this uh, this card that said, "I always be there in spirit." And I feel like that's what might be what's going on with me now. I feel like him giving me that card made me feel like his spirit was still with me somewhere. With my age, I I accept everything that God gives us. I don't sit around and think, well, I've got to do my dishes or I've got to fold my clothes. When I sit and think about, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Why isn't this person coming over? Why haven't I received a phone call? Myself, at my age, 
I'm 70. I look at it as God is not testing me, but He's teaching me how to be more respectful to Him. When I go to bed at night, I pray. I pray for this whole church. Sometimes I mention names. Sometimes I forget names. And the love that Christ shows to me, I hope that the love that He shows to me flows out to other people. I don't, I don't sit and think about bad things. I think about my God and what He has to say to me that I can say to someone else. That's just me. Thanks. I like this substitute hate for love. Mm. He said he likes to substitute hate for love. <laughs> it's, it's easy to hate people over things and all that, and not to condemn uh, uh, anybody. But I came, I, I came and watched like Saturday Night Live and even talk shows and stuff before because everything is all about. What that does to me when I watch that, it reinforces what I want to do anyway. But I have also found it carries over to people I actually do love, and I start treating them worse than me. So it's, but it's one of those things that when you start doing it, it feels really good, you know, because you feel justified in displeasure of people. But you, like you said, after a while, it just starts. And it's empty and it's isolating. And that's what Jess was talking about too, in a different way. So, obviously, probably there will be a different answer for every single person in this room. Um, and so, I want you to remember this question as when we go to communion, because that's something that I want you to ponder. Um, so what actually satisfies us? What is that richest of fare? What is the thing that breeds contentment? And I think sometimes it's going to be the contrast of what your, your substitute is. So for Jess, it might be being vulnerable and being in community instead of building up walls of the cult of personality, I guess the idea of who you are instead of actually who you are. And for Herb, it might be embracing the people that he may otherwise desire to condemn and doing the harder work of figuring out the beauty of those people. What are the good things about them instead of the caricatures that we use to condemn them? So what are some things that satisfy you, that bring you in, into a place of joy? God. Yeah. And that that love is merciful, gracious, and wide. It's a lot bigger than we can understand. And it includes a lot of people we wouldn't want to include. So 
So what satisfies? will happen. And uh, so the thing that satisfies for me is like if I if I listen to a, a message or read a commentary or hear some sermon or something that that gets some re- new revelation in my head that I didn't know about God. And it makes me feel like I know him more. And when I feel like I know him more then that brings more satisfaction. But I, I long for that but it's like Sure. That's great, Steve. Eric? I think for me it's uh, solitude and silence. So those are both different kinds of spiritual practices, right? And so for different people, different spiritual practices are going to be the things that help them to be connected with God. So what I want us to do now is we're going to have communion. And in this time, um, you know, it perfectly matches up with our text today in talking about that feast. Well, Jesus has set a feast for us. The disciples were gathered together for their Passover meal. They were anxious. There was a lot of stuff going on. Jesus had talked to them about his death and his resurrection but the time was coming to fullness. So you've got all of these guys in this upper room gathered together, clinging to one another. And Jesus is breaking bread and dipping bread into wine and talking about his body and his blood. And they're like, why are you being a cannibal? <laughs> and all of these crazy things he's trying to say. But I think for us, 
to get beyond any of the things about the elephant elements that may be a barrier for anyone this table is a welcome place this is a place of abundance and so it should be the starting point for us in our deepening relationship with christ I don't care if you've made a decision for Christ. I don't care if you run, you're running away from God right now. I don't care any of that because Jesus doesn't care about that either. He just wants you to be willing to walk forward and take and eat and taste that richest affair to begin a new journey with him today. So after you take and eat and receive, I want you to be able to spend some time just pondering those questions. What are those substitutes that you have in your life that are not the richest affair? Those things that you go to to make yourself feel better for a few minutes or a couple hours. But you know that in the end, they're not going to satisfy you. They're just going to be a substitute, a mediocre imitation of the richness of God. And then I want you to think and pray about what are some of those things or practices or experiences that you can put in your life that may be harder and force you to change that will help you to experience the richness of, that God has already given, that is already available for you. You got to open your hands. So how does God ask you to open your hands to receive his blessing? So come to the table. It's prepared for you.
Thank you for this space. Thank you for a time of contemplation and self-reflection. God, that we may strip away those things that don't satisfy, the things that keep us from embracing the abundance of joy that you have waiting for us. God, if we only open our hands and receive your blessing. Lord, I pray that we would keep leaning into that and to do the hard work that it takes for us to strip away those things that we have leaned on for so long. God, give us wisdom and direction if we need to bring others alongside of us in this journey. God, that we would be open about our struggles. And that we would be a community full of grace and mercy for one another as we are all broken sinners <laughs> saved by your grace. I pray that as we 
dive deeper into this Christmas season, that it wouldn't be about having this picture-perfect postcard of what it means to be an American celebrating Christmas, but we would find the deep and abiding joy of that little baby born in a stable. That we would find peace and simplicity, silence, and thankfulness that overflows. God, help make us generous people that we would share that peace and space and silence and thankfulness with others as we greet them along the way in these days. We pray for all of these things in your name. Amen. Have an awesome week, everybody. Be full of joy and receiving what God has for you. Have an awesome day.